We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper, Nick Whalen here with you as we get ready for week 14 of the fantasy football season. The fantasy playoffs are here in many leagues. If you're not in the playoffs and you're still listening, well, that's great. Take some time uh, that you won't be spending on your lineups to leave us a nice rating and review. We'd greatly appreciate that. Thanks to those of you who've already taken the time to do that. Every team in action this week, Nick, and uh, it's for all my leagues, it is the start of the playoffs. None of mine start in week 15. Uh, three playoff teams out of a possible five, down to five leagues this year, which I find is good, good because I, I took all those drafts I was doing and playing out and just made them best ball leagues. So I've got a few other teams that have required no in-season maintenance. Mm-hmm. And I, think, I think five leagues is the right number for the amount of work I want to put into the waiver wire. I don't want to spend 
12 hours a week trying to make pickups. I want to spend right. an hour over about five leagues, and that's about what it takes to to maintain these teams. So got the happy medium, got three teams in the playoffs. How did your regular season go? Horribly. Horribly. Why uh, so bad? I don't know. Um, well, there's a lot of reasons, I guess. Last year I had a great year. 2015 was, you know, it was a banner year for Knicks fantasy teams. 2016, things have things have come crashing down to reality. Um, I'm in four leagues total, uh, you know, traditional fantasy, not counting Pick'em, Survivor, etc. Uh, and that, I think I'm with you that four or five is like the right number, but now fantasy basketball started up, and I got, I got conned into doing three fantasy basketball leagues. So that oh, crap, I'm in as one. Soon as the, right, yeah, you're in one of those. I've Oops. noticed that. And as soon as the fantasy basketball season started, uh, that's when my fantasy football seasons really started to go off the rails. I mean, they were off the rails before that, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, in the stake league, the one that I probably care the or cared the most about <laughs> and have the most uh, monetary investment in, that one was doomed pretty much from the start. Um, Allen Robinson falling off the map, Blake Bortles falling off the map, uh, really, really hurt me there. Um Sammy Watkins getting hurt in what week two or week three? Really, yeah, really, that was really bad. Hurt me. Um, and you know, just just a, a myriad of other things. Um, I guess you know first first year being in the stake league, um, and you know playing against experienced players like yourself. Uh, I guess I didn't. I wasn't really quite ready. And uh, I, I think going forward, I will be. Um, and especially this is a league stake where you have to start a defensive end, a linebacker, and a safety. Like I kind of was just like, oh, I'll just punt those. You know, I'll worry about the skill positions. And like I think I quickly found out that doing that was a really bad idea. Yeah, I mean, you you don't want to grossly overpay for yeah. top options, but you do want to have a pretty good plan for how to attack those right. positions. I, I mean, I was basically just surrendering, you know, a free ten points at least per week by just kind of riding with these guys. It's it's tough to tell. I mean, I'm not I'm not somebody who gets really really into defensive player metrics or anything like that. So um, I'm shocked. Thought, yeah, right. thought you were uh, crazy. I am constantly you, talking. You about think you know a person, <laughs> and then you find out that they they don't yeah, care about defensive to, metrics for the NFL. Yeah, if you need to take a minute to collect yourself, that's that's totally fine. Um, but I have a couple playoff matchups going this week. Snuck in um, right out just over five hundred in a couple leagues, so it'll still be a fun weekend. Um, you know, hanging around in my pick'em league. You know, kind of kind of in and yeah. out of the top top All six, right. top seven, ready to ready to make a move one of these weeks. So. I mean, you can always find a way to stay engaged, and you know, if you love the NFL like we do, you don't necessarily need fantasy, you know, to keep watching every week. You need fantasy or alcohol, one or the other. Yeah. you can't go without both. Right. So you, yeah, you got I DFS. You you, I'm not, not going to say that you have to drink if you're eliminated. I think you just play DFS for the next few weeks. I think you could just watch, right? I mean, no, you, really, I can't. You can't do it. I need to have some interest that is personal. And my rooting interest in the Packers over time has dwindled. Not in that I, I don't like them less, but it's not enough for me to care about the league well, as a whole. See, I, I was on, the, on our NBA podcast earlier this week. We, we talked to Chris Fedor, who covers Cleveland sports for, for Cleveland.com. Careful just, with the I mic just, over there, just dude. I myself in the face with the microphone. Yeah. Uh, little, so he, little he, he rattled. for Cleveland.com. He covers the Cavs primarily, but he also does Browns and Indians. And he's, he's grew, he grew up in Ohio. He went to school in Ohio. Like, through and through Ohio guy, and we asked him, like, do you, working in these, you know, settings and literally these arenas, does it beat the fan out of you? And we're not beat writers, you know, we're not at games every single night or interviewing guys every single night, but, in, you know, we're working with sports every single day, 40 plus hours a week. Like, do you feel that the fanship has kind of been beaten out of you in some ways? 
I think it has only because of saturation. You know, yeah. if you ate a piece of cake every single day, even if cake was your mm-hmm. favorite dessert when you started, after 10 years, you probably don't like cake as much as you did when you started. Well, and it doesn't mean you don't like it anymore. It just means you, you don't have the same... You don't have the same uh, overwhelming desire to to tune into every single right. game and or play in every single league invite you get. Mm-hmm. I, I'm at a point now where I, I want to spend some time doing other things, right. and it's, it's a well, broad I, I mean, range of interests. I don't even mean that. I mean like your specific teams' rooting interests. You know, like for me, like you know, I covered the Bucks for a, for a couple years with True Hoop, and it was like. You know, going into it, I was like really into the Bucks and rooting for the Bucks every night. And by the end of it, it was almost the opposite, where I was just like sick of this team. And right, you you're you know, supporting a thirty game regular right. season. Well, that's part of it too. Is like you know the team wasn't all that successful, but like the more you you start digging into things, it just in looking at it from an analytical perspective, it's hard to do both. And I think that's fine though. Like I don't, I kind of like not having allegiances every week and being able to watch objectively and like not have to have it ruin my entire week, you know, if a team loses. Yeah, that certainly helps. And and I think, I, I've said this before, but I root for my fantasy teams above my favorite teams because... That I don't like. I care about me more than I care about those teams. And those teams don't care about that's, me. That's why I've never been, like, a huge, huge fantasy guy. I mean, of course, working here, I love fantasy. But I don't like that it compromises things like that. Like, I don't want to root against a player that I really like because my friend has him on his team. Oh, I... Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, mind I that. that. It's a temporary one day sort of thing, and I think you root for players more than I do, like in general. Yeah, I'm a player guy, not a team guy. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm more team than player. But above all, I'm going to root for myself. I'm not going to pretend as though like, yeah, I'm, I'm a Packer fan above all else. If I had to choose in Week 16 between the Packers getting a win and and getting closer to the playoffs, and you know. Maybe uh, me winning my league. Like I, I care more about me. Like it's no way. Not it's not even close. I'll take a fantasy That's football championship bizarre. over a Packer playoff berth every time. Okay, I mean, I guess if there's money involved, you could maybe have that debate. But if I don't know, I mean, maybe that just that just speaks to to you as a fan. Yeah, I don't play in any football leagues that aren't for money. So, mm. and it, it's not some crazy greed for money it's just i i want the satisfaction of winning more than i want to experience need for winning. someone else winning all right fair enough that's where i'm at that's well it's, not everybody thinks the same and that's good yeah and uh that was not a, a good eight minutes of podcast I really think we've done worse we have done worse much worse well was okay we got 16 games to get through so let's uh let's get moving because we got to go to guadalajara yeah soon. you gotta get your haircut too Big haircut. Uh, I'm going to ask for either the Bryce Harper or the Brian Dozier. Okay. Right I, now. I need to Google what Brian Dozier's hair looks like. Well, he's, he's kind of got like a modified. I've seen him without a helmet or a hat on. Modified Harper at the winter meetings. And, uh, you know, the Harper, I, I don't know if I can get that volume. You hair for that. Yeah, I, I need more you volume. You do the Dozier for sure. Well, the, the alternative, if I want to go back in time, I could go and maybe get the Dick Van Dyke haircut, which I, saw, I have a Who's variation that? of that right now. Who do you say? Who is that? Is that? He's a talk show host or something, right? A talk show host? Oh, I don't know who the, this guy's. The photo. Okay, I googled Dick Van Dyke, and the first like three photos are in black and white. So, what does that tell you? That he, in your mind, that he never existed. I don't. I don't know. What did he do? <sighs> American actor, comedian, writer, singer, dancer, and producer. Wow. Wow. It, okay. Well, this minute was worse than the last eight. We're gonna move on. 
Raiders Chiefs Thursday night game. The field is frozen in Kansas City. The heaters that were installed underneath the field at Arrowhead Stadium apparently failed or is were not installed properly. Doesn't happen or what? I don't. I haven't really heard that. I'm just wondering, like, if the field is on, you know, is like still rock hard. Would they? Would the players like kind of lobby in favor of not playing? Probably, especially since it's a Thursday game yeah. anyway. And if you wait a few days, maybe you could actually fix the field situation, which you right. probably can't fix in a matter of eight hours. This was a problem, I think, as of early this morning at least. Mm-hmm. So uh, probably a 12-hour window to get it right. Maybe they've got a solution. Maybe they have different heaters they can put on the field uh, that will cause the uh, ice to melt and they can find a way to make the water evaporate. I don't know how they're going to pull it off. So there is probably at least a small chance this game doesn't go down. But... If it does, tickets are only $36 because I think Kansas City is part of the polar vortex, uh, taking on a good chunk of the western, I don't know, western mountainous region of, of this country. It's a huge game. 36 bucks is a steal. 10-2 Raiders, 9-3 Chiefs. Chiefs favored by 3.5. I feel like with these cold conditions, uh, it will be very difficult to throw the ball. It often is. Wind could be a factor. I think that's the thing that really drives me away from a game more than anything else. But outside of Spencer Ware, is there anyone that you feel confident in in terms of them returning value tonight? Jeremy Macklin is back for the Chiefs. I'm not really sure what to make of that. I don't know how much he's going to chip away at the workloads, uh, the target volumes of of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, two guys that have played pretty well in recent weeks. So, I'm looking at this game, and I'm thinking it's going to be below the 46 on the over-under. And I think the Chiefs are going to grind it out with a good running game and Spencer Ware leading the way. You know, it's, this Raiders team is kind of hard to bet against at this point with the way that they've, even in games like last week where they've fallen behind, they, they come storming back uh, and win in fairly convincing fashion. And the same thing happened you know, against Houston. It, it happened, I believe it was against Carolina. Uh, earlier this season, they that uh, they're good. I mean, it's they're one of those teams that have been so bad for so long, and they're still, you know, everybody knows about Derek Carr and Khalil Mack and and Amari Cooper. But in the grand scheme of the NFL, those guys are still so young and still so unproven that it's it's this weird, you know, week to week. Like, how many games until we actually buy into the Raiders? I mean, they're ten and two at this point. I mean, they're they're firmly uh, in control of that division, the the best division probably in the NFL, and. Um, I mean, going on the road in Kansas City is never easy, but this Chiefs team, they've squeaked some out. That they, I mean, I don't know that they're necessarily a 9-3 and three team, and you have the, the pick two or whatever you want to call it last week. They had that kind of bizarre win pick against two. Carolina a, a few weeks ago where you know the Panthers had that game wrapped up. They throw a pick six. They fumble late in the game. That sets up this just very improbable field goal for Cairo Santos. Uh, and credit, of course, goes to the Chiefs and the Chiefs defense, especially for winning those games. But you know, I don't think this team is, is invincible at home by any means. I mean, they just lost to, to Tampa Bay, I think, three weeks ago at Arrowhead. So I think I'm going to still roll with the Raiders. I mean, Kansas City's three-and-a-half-point favorites, uh, which is, you know, negligible being at home. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of Raider fans here. There's somebody, someone tweeted out, I saw on Twitter last night, I'm trying to find who it was, uh, Jimmy Durkin, a writer for the Bay Area News Group, so a local Oakland guy, uh, tweeted that on his flight to Kansas City last night, the captain came on the radio mid-flight and congratulated the plane uh, for completely wiping them out of booze. Yeah, I've always kind of wondered how much booze is there actually on a plane. Right. I, I don't. You think... think they would stock up or maybe like double the reserves for for a Raiders, you know, cross country flight? Yeah, that's bad planning by by one of the airlines. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder. I don't think I've ever had alcohol on a flight. I think Me neither. I usually fly early in the morning. It's too expensive, or it's a weeknight, or it's bad 
bad selections. I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, not a lot of a, airlines have hams on the plane. Fewer than you'd think. Yeah, that's a shame. Fly spirit for that. Spirit will, will, will <laughs> only hams. No, they, they, they won't even have hams. <laughs> if they did, it'd be like fourteen dollars for the beer and three dollars for any sort of glass or cup to pour it should into. Be able to carry on. They should let you carry on hams. That, that should be hams. should be an exception. I'm going to take the Chiefs giving up the three and a half. So we're on different sides on this one, but I think okay. it's going to be kind of an ugly, grinded out sort of game between two otherwise really quality teams tonight. Uh, I'm going to go to the Seahawks Packers next because that's the way my computer wants to show me the games. Uh, even though I, I just said I like my teams more than I like the Packers. Surprised it didn't just automatically lower the game in the list for me. Uh, Seahawks are three-point favorites at Lambeau. 46.5 is your over-under. I don't trust that over-under necessarily either, but I think a big part of it is just the Seattle offense has been clicking in recent weeks. You, know, you throw out the dud against Tampa Bay. Russell Wilson, I think in four of his last five, has looked like a typical version of himself as opposed to the player he was for most of September and October. And, you know, week in and week out, for the last six, I feel like we've talked about the Packers kind of wondering, are they going to get out of this funk? Here's a good test for them, really. I mean, this is, this is a great test because they got owned in Washington uh, a couple weeks ago, and I think at that point, the reality of a non-playoff season was starting to set in. And I think for them to get to the playoffs this year, 6-6, six, six, they have to win this game. It's a must-win situation. Uh, I'm taking Seattle, giving up the three, because I don't have enough faith in the Green Bay defense to get stops yep. when needed right now. Yeah, I agree. And I don't as, as improved as Aaron Rodgers is and as improved as the Green Bay offense is, I still don't know if I trust them to score on this Seattle defense. Although, no Earl Thomas you know, on IR, done for the year. That's huge, huge blow for Seattle, but there's still so much talent uh, you know, in that secondary and in that linebacking core. Um, is this a must-win for Green Bay to keep the playoff hopes alive? Mathematically, it's not, but if we're talking realistically, is it? I mean, they have Chicago, Minnesota, and Detroit in weeks 15 through 17. So you finish out in division, which is nice, you know, kind of in some ways controlling your own destiny as far as the Minnesota and Detroit games, but you know, you need you need Detroit to lose some games or you're not going to catch up. They get the Bears this Sunday. You'd think that would be a win at home. But then they're at the Giants and at the Cowboys in, in weeks 15 and 16. Yeah, it, it's a must win in every sense. And I think the other big question for me is, can the Packers find a way to get some of the balance they want in their offense? The Earl Thomas absence is a big deal. Maybe that's part of the reason why that over-under is more realistic. I just I think conditions could be cold, could possibly be snowy and windy again, and that could suppress both teams just a bit, as we saw uh, last week in the Packers-Texans matchup. But can Kristen Michael, in a revenge game, the greatest of all revenge games, Kristen Michael getting a crack at the Seahawks, probably taking on a larger role this week. Can someone, whether it's he or Ty Montgomery, I don't think it's going to be James Starks. I mean, Starks, to me, cuttable after what happened last week with his workload and his lack of efficiency all season long. Can the Packers find a way to run the ball against the Seattle defense? I hope no one out there is relying on Michael or Montgomery, but I could see Michael maybe getting 10 to 12 carries this week uh, and having that little extra chip on his shoulder because he was playing pretty well when the Seahawks let him go. Yeah, I think I, I usually don't buy too much into those type of you know mental revenge type of stereo or uh, storylines, uh, but you can kind of see that here. I mean, like you said, he was playing well. He had some some nice games for Seattle, and you know it's only been what two weeks since he was uh, since he was cut. So I think you know I think that that could be something there. I mean, like you said though, it's about the play calling and it's about you know Green Bay making a real effort 
to establish the rush. And I thought in some ways they did that last week, uh, but it's just been so hard to predict who's going to get the carries. I mean, James Starks only four carries last week, six went to Montgomery, who had kind of been you know, reduced or removed at least the previous couple weeks from the rushing, uh, you know, the rushing workload. And then Christine Michael got uh, nine carries, but only turned that into 19 yards. I don't know. I mean, where, where are you at? If, if Green Bay, those first, let's say, two, three drives of the game, you know, they, they try to establish the rush on first and second down. Maybe they, they get a couple first downs, but it's not looking great. Like, I feel like McCarthy at that point to this, you know, to this time in the season has kind of abandoned the rush. And, you know, they've gone to the, the all-pass offense, which, you know, in a lot of ways serves Green Bay well because you have talented receivers and you have Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but you can't win like that, you know, sustainably. No, I, I don't think you can. I think he would run – a watered-down game plan yeah. where he does air it out with more short passes if the run's not working, but I don't really know if any one player benefits from that because it'll be more of a spread-the-ball-around scenario. Uh, we'll see a lot of those bunch formations out of the backfield, and I think it's going to be just a dink-and-dunk sort of game plan, but we'll I see. I can see this. I think Green Bay will be in the game. I think they have some confidence now. They've won two straight. The offenses look better, but I still I could kind of see this turning out like the Atlanta game, what was that, four or five weeks ago? where you felt good about how Green Bay played, but they just didn't quite have enough defensively, and you know you end up losing it late in the fourth. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm taking Seattle, giving up the three, in large part because I don't trust the Packers' defense mm-hmm. to show up in a tough spot. Uh, Steelers-Bills. Steelers favored by two on the road. Steelers at 7-5, and five, Bills at 6-6. Six and six. This is a big one for the Steelers. It's mm-hmm. kind of the Bills also, their last-ditch effort to stay in the hunt for a wild card. Maybe not mathematically, but most likely it would take a lot of help if they lose this week to win out and then get the nudge in from the 9-7 and seven record. Uh, you look at Ben Roethlisberger. Heard our friends on the Yahoo Fantasy Freak Show talking about Roethlisberger and the road splits, which come up all the time. And Buffalo's defense, I know they were getting exposed earlier this year through the air, especially week two, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Jets and that color rush debacle. Uh, really made the Bills look bad. And then, of course, they fired their offensive coordinator because they couldn't play defense, and the Bills' season has turned around and been uh, quite a bit more successful ever since. Coming off a disappointing uh, performance in Oakland where they had a lead in a tough spot against the Raiders. Um, Tyrod Taylor had a couple turnovers, sort of uncharacteristic of him. And the Bills have their backs up against the wall. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't typically play very well away from Pittsburgh. Is this a game where you like the Bills getting two? I... I do. I like the Bills more than I would normally like the Bills, I guess, you know, in this matchup. Obviously, if it's in Pittsburgh, you feel quite a bit differently about it. Um, but, I mean, Pittsburgh still holds the advantage in terms of talent offensively. Uh, but at the same time, as you said, those those home road splits for Roethlisberger are very real. Uh, and there's a lot on the line for both these teams. Um, I mean, it's looking like right now there's a decent chance that the AFC West could get three teams in. You know, I think in the last few years, it's always been, all right, New England in the East, Denver in the West, whoever in the South, you know, whoever, you know, outlasts everyone else. And then the North would get, you know, Cincy or Pittsburgh or Baltimore and Pittsburgh or Cincy and Baltimore. Like this is a year where the North might only get one of, of Baltimore and Pittsburgh right now. And, uh, and Pittsburgh really can ill afford to, to drop this game. They've still got a game coming up in, in a few weeks too, to, which may ultimately decide who wins the AFC North. But I think when I look at this matchup, you know, I like using all the key stud players, you know, Le'Veon Bell, Deshaun McCoy, Antonio Brown, no problems there. Ladarius Green, I think, has to be played in most situations yep. at tight end. You know, if you were a Gronk owner who had Green as a fallback or uh, you're maybe looking at Green versus 
like an Ebron type. I think green makes more sense because the Steelers offense tends to be pretty explosive. The over-under number is 47. So even if the Steelers turn the ball over a few times, I think they're going to find a way to move it. And I think Ben Roethlisberger will be at least good enough where if you've been relying on him, you're probably not sitting him down this week, even though you are dialing back the expectations. I'll take the Steelers giving up the two. They looked really good against the Giants. I think it's going to be a really entertaining game, though, from the early block. Broncos-Titans. Titans favored by one. I have a hard time with this game. I have no idea. I mean, it, if Paxton Lynch has to start again, right. no no questions asked. Tennessee probably gets favored by two and a half or three in that case. I would take the Titans for sure. We don't know anything about Simeon yet. I mean, he's just day-to-day. He he was at the walkthrough yesterday but didn't really do much. I I would think he probably doesn't play. I don't know. I mean, if he does play, he's not going to be 100%. I have no read on his status whatsoever. I think for now I'm taking the Titans giving up the one and this is one of the games that I would definitely avoid if I were uh, in Vegas. As far as Marcus Mariota goes, I don't think you want to play him against that Denver no. defense if you can help it. I mean, if you've been using Mariota during this stretch where he's played really well over the last eight weeks or so, uh, it's been a big part of probably why you're still in uh, the mix for a fantasy title this year. But I would strongly consider the alternatives in this case maybe even look at quarterbacks on the waiver wire yeah I mean if Denver wins they kind of have to do what they did against Jacksonville last week right and that's hold Tennessee to fewer than two touchdowns maybe get a defensive score especially if Paxton Lynch is playing uh and that Jacksonville defense is no joke but the Jacksonville offense is a complete joke and the Tennessee offense is not so I I think you know Denver didn't look all that impressive last week they did just enough to win and, and again that pick six is what you know really ultimately won the game for them so you know, I mean, the Titans' offense is, is so much more well-rounded and so much more dynamic than Jacksonville's that it, it does worry me a little bit that the Broncos didn't win all that impressively. They were on the road, but they're on the road again this week. I like DeMarco Murray still to get volume, even though you know the efficiency might take mm. a hit this week uh, against the Broncos. And uh, I think you look at Denver right now, the big question at running back is how much will Justin Forsett eat into the workload of Devontae Booker? Because Booker's been getting a lot of touches. Capri Bibbs has had a role. Bibbs on IR now, so Forsett's at least going to get those touches. But he's familiar with Gary Kubiak's offense. Uh, had that great year two years ago in Baltimore when Kubiak was the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. I have to wonder if Justin Forsett, even if you can't use him or don't want to use him in Week 14, if he's a good speculative ad right now, just in case he takes right. on a larger share of the workload than we expect. Yeah, if you're in if you're in a playoff spot and you know you have a a place where you can cut someone or if you have a free roster spot for whatever reason, I don't see why not. You know, I mean Devontae Booker has not really been able to to take the reins of this job as we thought he would. Um, I'm surprised. I thought Devontae Booker thought was, was going to be a monster. I really thought he was going to be like a light version of Ajayi the rest of the year, you know, after after the injuries uh, to Denver's backfield midseason, but it just, it just has not been the case. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't use Forsett or I wouldn't feel comfortable using Forsett this week just because we don't know. You know, that, that just seems like a wild, wild risk, especially in a playoff game. Um, but you know, for all we know, he could come out and get 12 carries and, you know, you can't feel bad if you don't use him. And for, for whatever reason, he has a big game because like, that's just, it's just too risky. But you know, if he has a big game and it looks like he's maybe in line for another one next week, then you certainly won't regret picking him up. Yeah. Stash that you want to have if you have room and happen to advance to week 15, because the role could change very quickly in that Denver offense, uh, Washington on the road, taking on Philadelphia Redskins favored by one over under 46 and a half. 
anybody you're worried about in this game, or do you actually like going after pretty much everybody on the Washington offense? You know, Deshaun Jackson, Garcon, Crowder, uh, you know, Jordan Reed still banged up, so I'm not really expecting him to play. If he turns out where he can, then I think you throw him in there. But I've I've kind of dialed back my expectations. Know, what do we of think of this Eagles defense now? I mean, going into that Packers game two weeks ago, they were allowing fewer than ten points per game at home. And Green Bay was able, you know, they didn't pile up points on them, but they they moved the ball relatively easily for a lot of the night. Um, and then last week, you know, they go on the road in Cincinnati. That you know, a Cincinnati team that's missing one of its starting running backs and its best player overall in the offense, uh, and they allow thirty two points. So I don't know. I mean, is is the Eagles' defense not really what we thought it was? It's just a, a team that think is going through growing pains because they've got a young quarterback they've got a lot of unproven players up and down the roster and I think Washington's going to be good enough to expose that offensively so I'm going to give up the point I'll take Washington I think they're going to win this game by like four uh Philly I think will bounce back from a disappointing showing last week divisional game right. home game they're four and one at home this year but to me, Washington's in a different tier. They're just, they're just mm-hmm. better, and I think we're going to see that. Well, I think we, we might have jumped the gun on Philly and jumped the gun a little bit on Carson Wentz in, like, week four. And It's because of the Steelers game, though. Like, he yeah. looked – he looked like the Eagles well, he, looked great. Looked okay since then. It's not like he's been a complete disaster. He's, he's just looked like a rookie since week five. And, uh, you know, I think I said this last week, but if you told the Eagles at the end of the year that they would – you know, that Wentz would start the entire year and they would finish with, like, six or seven wins, which is probably what they'll finish with – like you'd be okay with that, right? I they'd, mean, the way it happened, maybe yeah. not you. If you were to tell them, yeah, four of those wins are going to come like right away, and then you're going to lose a bunch in a row. Uh, but if you just said overall, like you're going to be a six and ten team, Wentz is going to look pretty good. Like you take that. Ryan Matthews, by the way, coming back for this game. Washington hasn't been great against the run, so if you're looking for a desperation option, he actually is on the waiver wire in a fair number of leagues. I think I'd plug him in uh, for this week more than I would plug in Justin Forsett by comparison if you're in desperation mode. Uh, Cardinals on the road taking on the Dolphins. Dolphins favored by one. I've got the Arizona defense going in the Stopa League. Big week for me in that spot. Usually the Cardinals uh, play a lot better at home than on the road. They're one and four away from Phoenix this year, away from Glendale to be more specific. Uh, but the Dolphins are a team that can make a lot of mistakes, especially in the passing game. Ryan Tannehill does throw picks. The Cardinals can make plays in special teams. So I feel okay about the Cardinals' defense. David Johnson's going to do his thing. You know, I think you look at Fitz. Fitz is going to be fine this week, too. I'm not wild about this game going above the 43.5 over-under. Like, I look at that number, and it feels about right. I think Arizona is the better team, despite the fact that the Dolphins have the better record. I think so, too. Um, but the Cardinals have gotten me into a lot of trouble as far as trusting them and picking games this year because the talent's there. You're, you're kind of tempted to to look at what they did the last couple of years, and you know they haven't really made all that many changes. They have David Johnson. Uh, but then they lose games like like that Vikings game a couple weeks ago. Like there's no reason they should lose that game. The Vikings are not that good. Uh, but then they come back and beat what we thought was maybe a pretty good Redskins team last week. So I mean they're they're an they're an anomaly every single week. I still think they beat Miami. Um, I mean you always are a little wary about traveling cross country, but you know it's the NFL teams get there you know several days in advance to adjust. Uh, similar climates, obviously. Uh, and this Dolphins team, which had been on a little bit of a run prior to last week, got absolutely exposed uh, defensively by Joe Flacco. You know, coming out of their bye, and they won six in a row. One was home against Pittsburgh. That was a pretty impressive win. Home against Buffalo in Week Seven. But they had a bye in Week Eight. They beat the Jets, the Chargers, the Rams, and the Nine, the Niners, Niners, Niners. I mean, nice win. Almost lost to the Niners. Probably should have lost to the Niners. Yeah, I mean, like they didn't play 
a lot of good teams at the no. end of that streak either. I know you can only play the team on the schedule, but it, I, I think it's easy to overrate the Dolphins. I agree. I mean, based I think, on those results, I think. But like before that, we might have thought they were in the category of some of those teams. You know, I, I think they kind of showed like, all right, we're not that bad. Uh, I mean, to me, the Dolphins are like on the same tier as what like the Titans. Maybe a bit ahead, a bit ahead, a bit ahead of the ahead of the Colts. Right there with the Colts. Probably about right. Uh, I think in this one though, I'm taking the Cardinals getting the point on the road. I think mm-hmm. uh, again, we're looking at like a 22-20 sort of game, 23-20 maybe. Arizona comes out by two or three, uh, but nothing crazy as far as a shootout. I don't see the shootout potential there. Jai is getting enough volume where I think you can use him. But you have to dial back the expectations, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, what he was doing earlier this year was just Absolutely off the ridiculous. charts good. I mean, he's not ripping off 200-yard games. Everybody. I know. What a, what a huge disappointment that what he's not bust. doing that week in and week out. City. Chargers-Panthers, uh, two teams that don't appear to be going to the playoffs. I think the Chargers technically could win out and get a ton of help and get in, but most likely they're eliminated. Panthers sitting at 4-8. and eight. Should be a pretty fun game to watch for two teams that have very little to play for. And I think a big part of it is that Carolina's defense continues to struggle. Uh, Everybody's in play for me as far as the healthy options on both sides. The only player I'm a little bit wary of is Ted Ginn. You know, is Ted Ginn stepping up because Greg Olson has struggled and because Kelvin Benjamin doesn't quite look right? I mean, maybe the, the wear and tear of a long season coming off a torn ACL has caused Benjamin's production to slip recently, but... Do you look at Carolina as a team that will reliably get Ted Ginn targets in this matchup, or do you think Ginn can be fool's gold yet again? I don't think again? so, no. Uh, that's what it's come to for the Panthers, where we have to ask ourselves, like, can they get the ball to Ted Ginn? Uh, I don't know. I mean, did you feel like this Carolina team, I hate to ever accuse teams of giving up because I don't really, I honestly don't think that really happens very often in pro sports because in a lot of ways, if you if you're especially in the NFL, if you're not putting in effort, like you're going to get hurt. Like, you, you'll get you'll get a, you'll get destroyed right. on the field. It would, be, it would be very obvious if a team wasn't trying. So I don't know if that's the right wording, but did you feel like the, the Panthers, after falling behind early against a really good Seattle team, just kind of we'll say mailed it in for like three quarters of that game? I didn't see the second half because I had to drive back from Milwaukee, mm-hmm. but it it looked bad. I it mean, did. and the the Cam Newton dress code fiasco. Certainly put them on it's the like, wrong foot. That's the last thing they needed, like going into this matchup. Not that it really was going to matter in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, it certainly didn't based on the result. But starting the game with a pick on your first play right. from scrimmage, yeah, not quite what you're looking for. Uh, I think I'm going to take Carolina in this game. I know San Diego has has shown that even as a team that won't go to the postseason, that they're they're not bad. But I think Carolina at home, especially is maybe a little better than people want to give them credit for right now. They're giving up one and a half. I think they win by a field goal, which should be a nice uh, high-scoring game, very fantasy-friendly game They're for still season like Arizona to me where it's like, it wouldn't shock you if they beat anybody. No, they, could, they, could, they could win out, and you'd be like, oh, okay, the Panthers won their last four. Mm-hmm. We're excited about them for 2017 now. Like that. That'll be a really interesting conversation, and, and maybe things change as far as personnel with both Carolina and Arizona, but like what – I mean, again, there's still four games left, so who knows, but – like, what are the expectations for those teams next year? I mean, these were two, like, I, I think I'd probably pick them along with Green Bay as my, like, three teams, you know, to keep an eye on in the NFC as far as, you know, NFC championship contenders. Seattle, you can throw in there, and, and they've lived up to expectations. But, like, if the Panthers finish, like, 6-10 and 10 or 5-11, and 11, like, where, where are they projected next year? It could go either way. They'll be a trendy bounce-back team because they'll make a few moves. You know, whatever they do in the draft, people will probably be sort of up on that and yeah. excited about it. And they, they just say, anyway, Tim, you got Cam Newton, you got a chance to win. It's going to be that sort of narrative, I think, when it comes to Carolina for next year. Bengals-Browns, 
in Cleveland. Seems like Cleveland's best chance to get that W. Uh, they are 0-6 at home, so only two home games left this year. Cleveland fans, uh, Bengals favored by 5.5 without A.J. Green, most likely. Don't think he's officially been ruled out. I just don't see any real reason for them to put him on the field. Uh, Brandon LaFell, I think, is kind of interesting because the Browns have allowed 28 passing TDs this year. That's a lot. And he's been seeing an uptick in targets. So I think you think about LaFell, of course, Eifert's in play. Jeremy Hill had a big game against the Browns thanks to a very large TD run in their first meeting. I think Hill can bounce back from a disappointing game against the Eagles. On the Cleveland side, you know, you look at Terrell Pryor. That's pretty much it. You know, that's that's uh, the, that's the whole story. Are we not the huge quarterback news? Uh, yeah. RG3 has been he named the starter. Back. I'm Can't not. Wait. It had it had no impact on the line. <laughs> that, says, <laughs> that says a lot, actually. Yep, that gives you a pretty good idea what Vegas um, thinks of Robert Griffin. So going back to, I mentioned we talked on the NBA pod with Chris Fedor, and again, he covers the Browns. Like I asked him, you know, kind of joking, like, are the Browns going to win, you know, during our little rapid-fire round of questions? And he was, like, vehemently, like, I hope not. I really, really hope not. And he wasn't joking. He's like, people in Cleveland don't want this team to win. Like, we don't care about the stigma of going 0-16. Like, we just want that number one pick. Okay. Well, as long as their Which hearts are in the right place. Like, and they, they just, they, I mean, they have a completely new front office. They, yeah. have, they have Paul D. Podesta, who has worked in Major League Baseball front offices, kind of leading the organizational decision-making now. So they are better suited to have an earlier pick, the first pick well, in the first round, every other pick having the first pick, too, every other round. I think that's that's a good thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having the first pick. Of course, you want the first pick, but there's to me, there's a difference between going one and fifteen and getting the first pick, and going zero and sixteen and getting the first pick. And of like, course, that, there's a huge, huge like stigma around being an zero and sixteen team. That that organization though is so futile over time that it it doesn't even matter. For most teams, it would be. It would be a black eye that they would never seem to get rid of. Right. For, for the Browns, it's like, oh, yeah, we, we finally checked this off our bucket list of terrible right. things. That, that is true. People, I think there's a lot of people out there that were like, really? Like, I thought for sure you'd gone 0-16 before this. That's probably a big part of it, too. Well, I, also, I also genuinely believe that the Cavs winning the title like, bought them, bought Cleveland sports like a decade of whatever. You know, anything can happen. Like, imagine if the Cavs had lost Game 7 or Game 6 or Game 5. And then the Indians lost the World Series, and then the Browns went 0-16. Imagine if the Indians had closed out that 3-1 lead. Sure. The Browns would have 20 years to, to get it right. Yeah, exactly. It would double down. So I'm going to take the Bengals. I mean, why, why pick the Browns? I, I don't know. Right. I, I, this might be the one, you know. I think if there is, if there is a remaining game that Cleveland has a, any kind of legitimate shot in, and the fact that they're they're only five and a half point dogs at home this week. Only five and a half point uh, dogs. I mean, it's this one, right? I mean, the Bengals looked really good last week, but they're still they're still banged up. They're they're not the Bengals of last year. Cleveland's not going to win at Buffalo next week. I don't think they beat the Chargers on Christmas Eve, and they're certainly not beating the Steelers in Pittsburgh on weeks in week seventeen. I assume you're going to go to this game because tickets start at ten dollars. <laughs> no road trip. No, I no, I'm road tripped out for now. I gotta I gotta wait until I think after the new year. Roto road trip. Yeah. Bears Lions. Lions favored by seven and a half. I I don't recall in my lifetime seeing the Lions favored by a touchdown against anybody. Uh the Bears coming off a, a pretty pretty interesting run. They uh crushed the Niners last week, which you know that probably means yeah, nothing. That. So that way the way to flex the muscle. Uh, the Lions at eight and four, five and one at home, kind of in the driver's seat right now. In the NFC North, they control their own destiny. 
a bizarre set of circumstances. Yes. Um, Josh Bellamy may be in play as a streaming option at wide receiver this week. Uh, Jordan Howard should be okay against the Lions' run defense. Mm-hmm. I really want nothing to do with Matt Barkley. I feel okay about Ebron. feel pretty good about Tate. We'll track the status of Marvin Jones, see if he's able to go this week. But most of your Lions regulars are all good plays in season long and in DFS. When can Jeffrey come back? Not this week or not next week? Is it week 16, 17 only? I thought it was week 15 for some reason. He did four games. Was it, did he miss week 11 or not? He would have missed... Oh, I think this would be his third game missed. Oh, well. I could be wrong. Elshon Jeffrey kind of dead to me anyway as far as his role for this year. All right, add him to the list. Add him to the list. Uh, I'll, I'll take the Bears getting the 7.5. The Lions have a, a flair for the dramatic. and <laughs> They do. Like Cleveland, that organization has a stench upon it that I just think it's going to take several decades of success to completely mm-hmm. remove. And I think just when you get hooked in, by the Lions, that's when they pull the rug out from underneath yep. you. Like they are, the Packers need that to happen. I mean, the Lions, the Lions are Charlie Brown, and everyone else, it's Lucy, just pulling the ball away. Yeah, no, that's that's wildly accurate. And to correct myself, this will be the fourth missed game for Jeffrey. This is the fourth one. Okay, yeah, I thought I thought he was coming back in fifteen. So, mm-hmm. so good, yep. good to hear. Yep, yep. I mean, the truth is, Jeffrey could come back, get a lot of targets, and just be a, a, a hog of sorts who, even without efficiency, could be productive. So kind of like the four set ad, where he was dropped, if you're in the playoffs, you got a, a roster spot, somebody on your bench you don't really think you're going to use, throw Jeffrey in the mix yep. and maybe have him ready in case something goes wrong at wide receiver uh, for you between now and was, next uh, week. He was another member of my stake league team. So It's been a good year for you yeah. in the stake league. Texans Colts Colts favored by six at home. Big battle in America's division. Two six and six teams Huge. going at it. Pretty much all six and six teams except for one two and ten team. Uh, what are we doing in this matchup? Anybody you're you're worried about? I mean, Lamar Miller's dinged up, but you still play him. This game's thirty three dollar tickets, by the way, for this one. So also very These affordable. Down across the board. Um, it's December. People don't want to go outside. They got holiday commitments. This, this game isn't even outside. Yeah, well, they don't want to go outside to get there. You know, it's a lot of effort yeah. to get out of the, get out of the house, go down to the driveway, get in the car, let the car warm up. It's a lot of lot of effort for people. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it, it was very frigid in in Indy last week. I can I can attest to that. Um, better better tight end play for this week: Ladarius Green or Dwayne Allen. I think it's got to be Green because I think people are going to jump all over Dwayne Allen. Not that I don't like Dwayne Allen, but like clearly what he did last week is not sustainable. I mean, he's still very, very much usable. Uh, but but I like Green. That, that's proven to be the better offense overall. Yeah, you just trust the Steelers to put up points. The Colts aren't playing the Jets this week. you got to remember that. Texans have been weirdly bad away from home. One and five on the road. I think So I'm, weird. I think I'm giving up the six and taking the Colts. I don't feel good about it, but... I mean, your usual suspects should all be in play in this matchup. The over-under is 47, so that this lines up pretty nicely. This is one that you just, like, if you just sim through it if possible. Super sim. Yeah, sim sim this game too. Vikings on the road in Duval where the Jags have parlayed the league's best home field advantage to a 1-5 record this season. What are you doing in this game? Just just hiding from it? This is one of those, like, you know, hopefully hopefully have some plans Saturday night and, like, you know, stay up late enough that I just kind of, like, sleep through most of this game uh fingers crossed that that happens can't you just watch a different game 
Yeah, I mean, I could. I just, you know, I, I like to watch the Jags just in case. You know, you never know what you're going to see. Why do you do it's this like to yourself? Show. Like, what's um, the reason? Is this a cry for help? <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, no, I mean, that, 39 is the over-under in this game. That's the lowest that uh, I've seen in a while, and that's got to be the lowest of the week, right? I mean, this is going to be an absolute disaster. I mean, Minnesota's offense is terrible. Jacksonville's defense is pretty good. Minnesota's defense is really good. Jacksonville's offense is terrible. I mean, this is if there's a candidate for a game to finish six to three this week, it's probably this one. I had it at sixteen to three uh, Vikings when I was trying to kind of go through different scenarios as far as streaming defenses go. I mean, I think even though I don't really like the Jags as a team, I think defensively oh, really? they're a good streaming defense this they week. Are. If you can't get they don't the Bengals, get takeaways, though. that's the thing. Like they're they're good at limiting points, but they're not they're not like a big play takeaway defense. Even though the Vikings rarely throw the ball more than five yards away from the line of scrimmage, they could they could cough it up a couple times. You never know. I yeah, mean, uh, Blake Bortles had a one on one meeting with Allen Robinson today. Not not because they're mad at each other, but just to discuss their lack of production. Would have loved to be on the fl- a fly on the wall for that one. I would have loved to just been a person in the room. Yeah, just a person in the room. I don't even. Sure. I don't even need to be a fly. Whatever, just like, yeah. It's like, hey guys, uh, just talk it out. I'll, I'll be here. I'll be right here if you not need gonna, anything. Definitely not going to tweet any of this. No, no, I'm not going to tweet this at all. I'll take the Vikings giving up the three and a half because, well, I'm only a small idiot, not a complete large yeah. idiot. Jets Niners combined four wins happening in San Francisco. Oh, hold on, we need to back up for a second. The Jaguars are inducting Jimmy Smith into their ring of honor on Sunday. That's uh, it's called the Pride of the Jaguars. Jag Pride. Jag Pride. Looking forward to that. Jets Niners, 43.5 is your over-under. Niners favored by 2.5. Uh, if you survived last week and you've got Colin Kaepernick as one of your options at quarterback, you play him against the Jets, given how bad that Jets defense has looked? I, I don't know. I mean, like he, he was so bad, and that offense was so, so bad last week that you know obviously he's going to have to rebound by default but i mean that was that was you look at that box score and it was like are they running the triple option like how how does this even add up like how is this an nfl game plan it wasn't um and they went to blaine gabbert for a spark yeah. but i think the jets have been so bad i would actually I mean, in, in some situations him. i would throw colin kaepernick out well, there how i mean how many people like he was a very popular play in daily last week right I didn't see the ownership rates on him, but I know people were talking him up because he was still cheap. The Bears are a, a softer defense. You know, those teams seem like they'd move the ball against each other. Yep. And Wrong. I'm just surprised Chip pulled the plug on him. That I mean, I know, I know he wasn't playing well, but that seemed like a mistake. Uh, just to go to back to Gabber yeah. and I then mean, to go was, back to Kaepernick. I'm not. I'm never in favor of doing that when when like the the guy you're bringing in is a Blaine Gabbert type. Like if you have. Jared Goff or Carson Wentz or whoever, like some young quarterback that you want to give a look like in that situation. Sure. Of course. Why not? Jeff Driscoll. Sure. I didn't even know he was uh, the Florida guy. Yeah. I think he's their third stringer. Oh, yeah. All right. Good. And didn't know he was in the league, but uh, like if you have a, a young guy, like sure, get him some reps. But like if your backup is someone like that and you, you know what you have in him, it just, it, I don't know what the benefit is there. Like you're not going to win that game. It's not like Blaine Gabbert was going to come in and, you know, immediately march down and score three touchdowns. Uh, are you sure? Because I'm you've sure. seen a lot of Blaine Gabbard, and Chip Kelly seemed to think that was a possibility, which makes me question even more about. I I've, I was on board the Chip Kelly Eagles thing, yeah, from day one. So was I. Thought it was silly they fired him, and now I'm looking at it, and I, I know San Francisco's personnel is really bad, 
he's doing some stuff. He's done some things over the years where you're kind of like, all right, maybe, maybe he needs to go back to college. Mm-hmm. But well, he, the thing is, he had his chance, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know that Oregon offered him the job. The I window was open, it. right? Like, if he calls them and says, "Hey, I'd like to come back," they're like, "Yeah, come on back. We'd love to have you." Like, right? Of yeah. course. I mean, they who they just hired a, a coach from South Florida. You know, like not not that Taggart's a, a bad coach by any means, but like I think they would rather have Chip Kelly in that situation. Uh, well, it's a known versus unknown, but Taggart, by many accounts, is a good hire. So yeah, no, of course, of course. I good, just think they'd good rather for the have Ducks. Kelly. Yes, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'll take the Niners giving up the two and a half, even though I, I don't want to. I think they're going to ac- think they're going to accidentally win a second game. I think that's what's going to happen this week. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like they don't. If the Browns had a win right now, you could kind of see like this race for the number one pick. But like the Niners need a Browns loss, so until that happens, they might as well win again. This is, I mean, this game is part of a four game late afternoon block that because of the Packer game, I will see. Probably zero snaps from the Jets. Self-proclaimed Niners. non-Packers fan, Derek Van Riper. That's me. Saints, Bucks. Saints five and seven. Bucks seven and five. Bucks suddenly hot, giving up two and a half. They're going to lose. The Saints are going to go in there and win because Tampa Bay is going to disappoint us. But yeah. over under fifty one and a half. I think this game will hold up as a true shootout. Yes, you want to start pretty much everyone. The one thing I'm a little interested to see, and I don't really know how to handle it. I don't have Doug Martin anywhere. Uh, is that they're saying that. Uh, Jacquez Rogers is going to be more involved in the game plan this week. I don't know how much more involved that is. I think you can still use Martin, but just something to be aware of, at least from a DFS perspective, if you're looking at that game. I think Mike Evans could go off, have a great game in this matchup, of course. These teams meet again in Week 16 in the Superdome, too. So it's the, it's the fantasy playoffs dream we've been hoping for. Uh, one other thing that was brought up, Sheldon Rankins being on the field for the Saints does change that defense quite a bit. I think that is worth noting. So it might not be the complete free-for-all for the Bucks runners, regardless of whether it's Martin in tandem with Rodgers or whatever combination they use. Charles Sims could be back in the mix, too. Uh, but I'll take, I'll take the Saints getting the 2.5. I'll probably regret it because I usually do. Falcons-Rams. Falcons favored by six? Is that enough? <laughs> Falcons Rams? Like, was that a question? Like, oh, geez, those, those teams are still going. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's enough, right? I mean, the Rams have kind of fallen off defensively, I guess, giving up some, some higher point totals the last few weeks. But we still don't know what to make of this Atlanta team. I, I mean, it would be very Falcons for them to blow what looked like a kind of runaway division lead a few weeks ago, especially with the way the Tampa Bay is playing. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they're going to stumble here. The, the only thing that could cause it, if they do, would be Julio Jones not playing. Uh, individual work, I think, was what he was doing on Thursday. We'll see where he's at Friday. And then, of course, leading into kickoff. It's a little bit challenging if you are a Julio Jones owner because, again, part of the late afternoon block, you got fewer alternatives to turn to if uh, he, in fact, is out. One thing I did do, and I, I recommend this as just a general approach to uh, being smart about your teams, when you have... A dinged-up player like Julio Jones going, if you can move him into a flex spot, that opens up more alternatives for what you can do if he's ruled out as part of the late game. So that so way, you still have to play him, right? I mean, I, I I can't imagine a scenario where you have so much depth you're not playing Julio Jones. So right, you move him to a flex spot. You. you have your other two or three receivers in the receiver spots, and then if you've got a, a Jacquez Rogers type player on your bench or somebody else going from that late chunk of games, at least then if Jones is declared inactive, you can shuffle something else in, whether it's a backup running back, whether it's a tight end that's kind of low-owned but just out there. 
uh, you know, something along those lines. It gives you more flexibility. So keep that in mind if you're a Julio owner. Try to have that flexibility available for the late afternoon in case something goes wrong. I think the Falcons win this game easily. Jeff Fisher just continues to be uh, an amazing quote machine. I, I don't I, I don't know if he's like actually like psychologically fit to be an NFL head coach. Like I, I'm very concerned about his health and well-being to the point where I, I also wonder, did he get hit in the head a lot back in the day? Are we, are we seeing like significant memory loss? I mean, he, he didn't know who the Patriots running backs were. Going into last week, his defense, uh, Jared Goff on on a podcast last week that I was listening to said he was he's pretty sure he meant Danny Amendola, but no, (laughs) nope, that doesn't make it better. Wow, I mean that's just that's that's the state of the Rams right now. He didn't know his GM got an extension when he did, so clearly that relationship is going. I mean, what's the story with this? Like his isn't like the Rams owner's dad or, or like somebody high up in the Rams dad is like Jeff Fisher's agent. Is that how that There's is? There's some like collusion going on or supposed collusion. Nepotism. Sure. Yeah. In some ways. All right. Cowboys giants, Cowboys favored by three tickets. This one starting at $237. And Hey, when things are going well in New York, people show up. Things aren't going to go well in this one. The Cowboys are going to get their 12th win of the season. I think three is not enough. They are a better team than the Giants. The fact the game's at home, to me, it doesn't even matter, even though the Giants are 5-1 and one at home. Dallas is, just, everybody. Dallas is just better right yeah. now. And it's amazing to say this because I, I did not always have this feeling about Jason Garrett. Things changed over time. The way he's got that team running right now, he almost can't screw it up with dumb decision-making the way he did four and five years ago when their personnel wasn't yeah. as good. I think Dallas wins by a TD. I, I, I think the Giants are a fraud at 8-4. and four. Mm-hmm. We, we saw them get exposed last week by the Steelers, and we're going to see it again in primetime on Sunday night by the Cowboys. Yeah, plus 8 differential on the season for the Giants. That's worse than Minnesota. That's worse than New Orleans. That's worse than you know a 5-6-1 and one Arizona. That's worse than Tennessee. Worse than the entire AFC West. Uh, they've... they've you know, squeaked out some games that they probably shouldn't have won. And now I'm with you. I think this line should probably be closer to five or six. So looking at this game, Rashad Jennings, for some people, might might be in the mix for a spot. I'd really prefer not to use him if possible. Uh, Sterling Shepard's kind of borderline. He's like your wide receiver three, your key Cowboys. They're all fine. You know, I think the the one thing I, I have been impressed by with the Giants in recent weeks overall their pass rush has improved quite a bit from where it was at the beginning of the year. But I still think Dallas is going to be uh, firing on all cylinders in this matchup. And I, I just think we haven't seen that much in terms of Eli Manning stepping up and, and making big plays in critical times. Right. No JPP for the Giants either. I mean, the pass rush, like you said, has been better, but you know, you're, you're losing. That takes a hit. Right, for sure. Ravens-Patriots, Monday night game. Patriots favored by seven. Is that enough? I think, I think, yeah, I think so. I think, if anything, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was like six, five and a half. I don't know. The Ravens aren't bad, right? They're not bad at home. They're actually good at home, and they continue to be very suspect away. Patriots usually very good at home, of course, four and two this year. Uh, I think one of those losses, if I'm not mistaken, came at the beginning of the year. But you look at what this team has done, and even without Gronk, they've had Malcolm Mitchell step up. Maybe Martellus Bennett is a bit healthier this week than he was last week. 
uh, I, I have a hard time picking this game with that seven. So the number seems right. I think everyone agrees New England is just a, a, a notch above the Ravens. Even if this game were a neutral field or in Baltimore, I think it'd be the case where you look at the Patriots as the favorite. No problem there. I, I think I'm what I'm worried about is the Ravens' defense being really good. Like that's the, that's the thing that's changed. I think from last year to this year, the Ravens' defense looks legitimately good. It looks like a quality playoff caliber defense. And I'm curious to see if that's going to be something that takes this game and brings it below that 45 and a half over under. <sighs> Sorry. Yes. You I, okay? I, Am I, no, I boring you? No, like you said, it's so cold in here that like I, I feel like I'm, I've been getting sick. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of falling setting, apart over I'm there. setting the single podcast record for yawns. I think you are. You're, you're shattering um, your own record from last Thursday. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just been progressive throughout the season. Uh, well, I mean, New England hasn't looked all that indestructible either of late. You know, obviously Gronk uh, done for the season, and, and that's a big blow for them. And I, I think right away it was, oh, all right. Well, if you're a Martellus Bennett owner, this is great news. But that hasn't been the case at all. I mean, they've. They still won these games. They're still doing what they need to do. They're still the Patriots, and they're at home in prime time. They don't usually lose these games, although they did drop one to Seattle uh, earlier in the season. But I think Seattle is is markedly better, especially on the offensive side of the ball, than the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to take the Patriots giving up the seven. They're going to find a way to win by nine or ten. Close game. Maybe they pull away late. I don't or think something it's a like blowout. That. No, I think the Ravens have some confidence. I, I think the Ravens cover the seven, but New England wins. Yeah, it should be a good game. Rare, a rare, really good Monday night game yeah. on tap for this week with the Ravens and Patriots. It's going to wrap things up for us on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. You can find Yawning Nick on Twitter at Whalen. Uh, the L is a one. Yep. So, yep. Like, uh, it's also Ontario Smith's 46th birthday today. Just want to oh. get that out there. He's 46? 46. Man, what is happening? That can't be right. 36. 36? 36, yes, 36. 36 makes a 36. lot more sense. I'm like, he's not 46. 36. I'm real bad at math. 36. All right. Well, happy 36th birthday to Ontario Smith. The Wizenator, I think, is celebrating its eighth birthday. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, when I, I looked at the list of birthdays for today, I, I typed in Ontario Smith Wiki, you know, just to see what he was up to these days. No real updates since 09, so that's probably a good thing. Second result, you know, other than his Wikipedia page, was the Wikipedia page for a Wizenator. Do you ever order one of those? No. I've, why would I ever need a Wizenator? Why wouldn't you need a Wizenator? Not going to answer that. All right. Well, pleading the fifth on that one. It's going to wrap things up for the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Tim and I are back with you on Friday. Never needed a Wizenator. knows that by the foot there's no better ride than an old station wagon room for six people facing forward two people facing backward and a whole lot of luggage lumber and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof if you can parallel park that beast you can park anything and with some quality parts and a little napa know-how you can keep your land ship running longer stronger it's not obsolete it's a rare treasure that's napa know-how napa